welcome to this podcast. I'm Laura Horton. And I'm Michael Bentley. Hello and welcome. Hello and welcome to our Horton Hangout podcast. And today we have a guest for you. And Michael and I are so excited about our first guest to the Horton Hangout podcast because we have an amazing lady who's taken time out to join us today. And our wonderful first guest is Emma John. And Emma is going to delight all of our listeners with her many top tips and her wonderful story that she has about her dental uh, life. And uh, Emma started working in dentistry at quite a young age. If, uh, I hope she doesn't mind me saying that. But basically, Emma did some work experience age 14 in a dental practice. And that was it for Emma. She knew dentistry was the profession for her. Emma's now at a point where she has a practice. She's had a practice for 17 years with her husband. And I'm sure she'll share lots about that today. And uh, this practice, Emma actually purchased against the advice of her accountant. So that's going to be interesting to find out a little bit more about. And as a practice manager, Emma has just gone above and beyond. I mean, if you haven't heard of Emma, uh, where have you been, really? Because Emma is outstanding. She spent a long time doing consultancy um, throughout the UK and Ireland as well. And she's so talented and just really happy to share knowledge with people, which is something that I, I love about Emma as well. She was the youngest ever practice manager in the Royal Air Force. That's outstanding, isn't it? And on top of that, Emma has also won two practice manager of the year awards by two different industry bodies within 12 months. I mean, can we have a, you know, big round of applause to Emma there. Um, yes. I know she's probably, probably blushing listening. So I think this is the point uh, for me to introduce Emma and say hello to Emma, who also has four children and of course is happily married to her dentist husband. So hello to you, Emma. Hello, good afternoon to you. Are you blushing? I am a little bit. I'm thinking, goodness. <laughs> yes. That's your life. <laughs> You you honestly have so much to share, and I'm sure we're going to repeatedly end up saying this, that um, we're probably not going to have enough time to get everything out of you today, because really we're asking you to share your life with us, <laughs> and uh, it's it's the podcast, so we, we are going to get straight into it, if that's all right with you, Emma. Cool. I think a really good place to start here is if you could share with our listeners about your experience, not only buying a practice, but you also relocated. And as I said, your accountant also advised you not to buy it. So that whole process and huge event in your life. So are you happy to share that and talk to us about that, Emma? Yes, absolutely. So um, having got probably in the region of about 10 years experience in various aspects of um, the dental profession, we decided that we would like to make the move from working within the health service, which is where I ended up after leaving the Royal Air Force, um, and very romantically idealed that we could just pop to the beautiful county of Devon and pick up a practice there because it seemed like a really nice place to be near the sea, lovely place for the children to grow up. Um, and looking back on it, it was a, a series of what could have been really quite potentially incorrect decisions made. Um, so I'm very happy to share why they were. Location, it was a beautiful place to be. And yes, it is a lovely place to bring up your children. But the information that we went in with 
or the information that we thought we needed to go in with was probably insufficient. Um, in fact, it was insufficient. So the first telltale sign for me is I should have realised two practices in the same town for sale at the same time should have been a warning sign. But we were so focused on where we were going or what we felt we wanted in our ideal world um, that I think blinkers probably went on. And we were both quite naive in, as I said, looking at, uh, at the, the lovely side of things rather than that probably the information that we really needed to. Anyway, one of those two practices we did go ahead and buy, and as you've mentioned, we sent all the financials to our accountant and he rang us after browsing them. Um, we were based in Bristol at the time. He, he, he said, do you want to come up to Bristol? I said, I can't really. He said, well, I've just done all the figures and I don't think it's really the, the place for you. He said, you, you're going to have to do something miraculous to turn it around. And I then sort of took a deep uh, breath in and said, I put an offering on it this morning and I hadn't actually told Rod, my husband, that I'd done it. <gasps> so, yeah, you've all taken the same sort of intake of breath as the accountant did. I can hear the conversation oh. now. So I then had to try and explain to him how I was going to turn this around and also sort of tactfully explain to Rod that um, I'd not only put the offer in, but the accountant had more or less told me that we were slightly crazy in, in our uh, choice of business. Anyway, we continued headlong and arrived in Devon. Um, we were invited to the practice, or, or God was invited to the practice, to do a couple of days dentistry before we actually took over the final contract. And at that point, started to meet patients and staff and opened up a whole different set of issues. Uh, one of which being that a lot of patients told us that there'd actually been three associates in very quick succession, and Rod was inheriting that list. So that can tell you that we've probably had quite a lot of disgruntled customers before we even started taking over the practice. Um, also supported by a group of staff who weren't told the practice was up for sale. So again, he came back to me, our home was on the market, and he said, Emma, I don't think I can do it. The patients aren't happy there, the staff aren't happy, and we're just about to relocate on the 2nd of January. But we were in too deep, so off we went. And um, so to cut a long story short, we had to make it work. We had to make it right. Um, I personally, in the management role, found it quite difficult. I'd come from a military background, um, which is very hierarchy based. If you're at the bottom, you do as you're told when you're told to do it, which sounds quite black and white, but it is how it is. Um, and you earn your position and you have the qualifications to support your position. And I therefore assumed everybody would uh, have the same thoughts as myself. Uh, that wasn't the case. I had a group of people who had probably not ever had a manager in the practice before. In fact, I know they haven't had a manager in the practice before, um, who all very much did their own thing in their own way. And we had a group of patients who were still grumbling that they'd had three associates in quick succession and that the, they wanted things done in a certain way. And we obviously had this very clear pattern of what we wanted to do. And we're going to either have to find all new staff and all new patients or possibly sell and move on. So we didn't. We decided to stay put. Um, I embarked on a 12 month business course with UND Professional. Um, helped immensely at that time by Fiona Stuart Wilson, who was a great mentor to us and basically almost stripped the practice completely bare and started again. And we did close down the NHS contract. We did take all the capital that was involved for those practices doing that back in sort of 2001. 
um, we probably did remove all the staff and start again one way or another. Um, and four years later, we relocated practice to a whole new site, which was about four times the size. And through, as I said, making several really large mistakes, created a vision of what we did want to do and how we did want to do it and stuck very firmly to it and tried to involve ourselves with people who could support it and continue to support it, in fact, and stay focused on what the end result we wanted was going to be rather than the amount of um, problems and hurdles that we'd created. But some of them created ourselves through lack of knowledge and lack of information, I suppose. So that's mm. sort of the, the brief the brief history of how we came to be where we are. And what a remarkable story that is, Emma. And, and, you know, we know each other very well. And I know when I was a practice manager, we used to speak quite regularly. And I think what's interesting for business owners and practice managers and something you just touched on there very briefly was, you know, the 12 month intensive management programme that you did. How important do you think it is for practices that they understand how to manage a practice? Because what I'm finding now, you know, working with practices is that the dentists have become quite detached from management, but actually now they're, they're being really pulled into, you know, they've got to understand how to manage and lead alongside actually having managers that the promotional point of view would be maybe a nurse just suddenly becomes a practice manager or they suddenly um one of the head you know uh, reception team suddenly become a practice manager how important do you think it is that practice management is done in the right way and why do you think your training was so important to you um i think the training was important to us we actually had to create a dummy practice so to speak in, in that 12 months and it was not just myself it was it was probably four business couples not all husband and wife um, business owners who are probably all similar uh, similarly got together and literally sort of had to pretend to create a, a, a dummy practice so we went into all sorts of areas of it um, and, and again every time you went along it was a 48 hour course and it right into the evening it was hard work it was very very intensive but the more you strip back what you're trying to do the more you realize how little you actually knew about it um, things like demographics of patients, things I'd never even dreamt of considering, you know, if I want to set up an implant practice and I've got the, the demographics of under 20 year olds, it's a bit of a, um, a no starter, but it was amazing how much was created by that. And I think doing it as a, much as you want the principal or the dentist to be able to do their clinical work and do it really well, as you said, there still needs to be a grasp ultimately of what the managers are doing or what they're trying to do and what they're trying to manage. So for me, that worked really well. I've got a principal who's very happy to step back and let me do it all, but mm. I do occasionally need to be able to throw information at him and for him to have a grasp of, of what I'm talking about or what I'm trying to manage. So I do think it's really important um, to be able to separate the roles because the leadership that one shows is probably slightly different to the, the attributes that the other one will have. And it's trying to, to marry up the talents of the two, I suppose, because there's always going to be a business owner or maybe two or three business owners. But that business manager or development manager has got to be able to articulate what they're trying to do. But they need to have some understanding, I think, the owners as to what, what it is and, and what the goal is they're trying to get at at the other end of it. So I, I think it's, it's vitally important. It is really important. And actually, 
I know that you're very good at managing very successful teams. I know in practice, you know, myself and Laura would both agree that you go through uh, ways in practice, you know, within teams and situations that happen because team members are affected outside of the practice and inside the practice as well. You've got a fantastic work ethic with your team. What would be your experiences that you could share about you know, making the team aware of the journey that you want to have in practice because you're so good at communication, customer service, and that I know when I first uh, saw you uh, presenting about communication, you really inspired me. How how did you make sure that your team was inspired? I suppose right from the outset, I do make it clear that what I want now is not probably what I'm going to be aiming for in 12 months' time. I try and make it really clear that I'm always looking for development within me, I suppose, and the team and, and the treatment that we're doing. And I also quite happily will say to all of them, do you know what? I'm not always going to get this right. And I don't always get it right. I, I've just sort of <laughs> talked for 10 minutes about some very seriously wrong decisions I've potentially made. So I suppose there is an element that I am only human. I can only do what I possibly can. I will try and always lead from the front. And in that position, I am going to sometimes take us down the wrong path or make some wrong decisions along the way. I am only human. So I suppose I try and wear that a little bit on my sleeve. Um, and I think they all know that. And it won't suit every member of staff that I come across or every team member. I respect that we're all different. And some will work better than others with that sort of um, management but I think that would be very much that they're going to know that change is okay I'm going to change things you're going to have to tolerate me changing things and not everything I do will be the right one but you know that's okay that's not an unacceptable thing it's okay to say I've got it wrong and let's work it through how we're going to make it right so I think that's probably my mantra on that. No, and I, I think it's absolutely fantastic Emma because it's something that we are always saying you know do do you know if you make mistakes if you want to change your path change your vision it's okay it's fine and let your team know do you know what that decision wasn't great and actually this is what we're going to do instead it's fine to do that isn't it and one of the other things really that we always say and you've just reiterated it there which is fantastic there is always going to be change isn't that so yeah. it's so important to get the team on board with that that's just a fantastic tip that you've given there always share to your team that there's always going to be changed and then you're going to get the right team in place because they're aware that well this is an environment that's always going to be changing if i don't like that then it's not right for me which must mm. be good for you because then you are getting the right team in your practice mm. yes absolutely and i think it's again as a manager to try and accept that you won't suit everybody i suppose almost a bit like your patients you, you can only set up what you do and who you are and what you can offer in the way you're going to do it and it will not appeal to absolutely everybody. And 20 years ago, that sort of was a very personal, gosh, it must be me. They don't like me. They don't like my style. And eventually you realise it, it's not. It's just we're all very individual and some will get on better with what I'm trying to do than others. And it's, it's an acceptance, but I suppose that's what happens when you become older and you realise that you, you can't be all things to, to everybody. Absolutely. And Emma, this just leads me on perfectly to the next thing that I'm desperate to ask you so that you can share this with our listeners i imagine through the changes that you've put into place in your practice by achieving the vision that you set out to achieve 
by closing your NHS contract as well, you must have lost a lot of these original patients along the way. And that's something that a lot of practice owners worry about when they come to a new practice. You know, well, the staff have been here forever. They know all the patients in the town. We've got to keep the staff happy. Even if the staff aren't right for the business. And, oh, we want to make these changes, but we are worried about losing people. What's your advice there? If you're really clear in where you're trying to go, you're going to be pushed along, I think, with a certain amount of momentum. If you if you are enthusiastic in your own mind, then that will come across to the team and those patients that you retain or those patients that you're trying to attract. So, yes, we did lose patients. In fact, we made it onto the front page of the local paper for shutting down our um, Thankfully, it's not a large tabloid paper endeavour, but it was enough to scare us. It, again, it was it, there was a, several things thrown at us when you look back that, you, that could have really rattled where you're going. But I suppose the main thing is, again, keep those around you that are important in the team focused. Um, try and retain a certain element of good humour um, and just keep setting. If, if you believe that you can deliver something in a certain way, and that it is going to become popular and you've seen the results elsewhere, you just have to sit tight and keep doing, I believe, what, what it is that you want to be doing. And as I said, I can say that now because it's working um, it, and it has been for some while. Not always perfectly, as I said, we're, we're all human. We all have those glitches, but I'm surrounded by enough people who can help me fix the glitches and if they can't within my team, I've got enough people within the industry that can um, bounce ideas off. And it's OK to ask other people for help because most people will have been through something similar, I think. So um, but for us, it, it decide who you want to be. Try and put the right team in place that can see that vision with you and keep focused on it. And you can change the path a little bit if you need to. But be clear why you're changing it, what the result is. Um, same sort of you know don't keep doing the same thing and hope you're going to get a different result type of attitude you sometimes will need to change uh, but be clear what you're trying to change it for would be my advice on that yeah absolutely right Emma I couldn't agree with you more and I think that leads me nice to ask you something I've always I think that it's so prevalent now which is the journey of private practices at the moment and how to be successful as a private practice when actually you know, there are a lot of corporates, there's a lot of, uh, you know, mini corporates coming about now. You're a, a practice, you know, owner with, you know, one practice that you have. What would you be your advice to people that have got private practices at the moment? And then maybe people that are young into their journey of buying a private practice or are thinking about doing that. Do you still think it's great to have a private practice? Yes, I think as long as you are aware that it, it's all about the people, I think, all about the people. And any programme you watch on consumers and how we're spending and what we're doing and how we're doing it, whether it's dentistry or any other industry, it, it's really about the people. And I believe that those in um, private practice have the edge on the corporates because it's still very much about the people in the smaller um, private practices that I come across. I think it's harder in a corporate. Thankfully, it's not something I'm, I'm sort of connected with, but on a massive scale, it's going to be more difficult to look after the people. And I don't just mean the customers coming in. I mean, those people that are in there providing the customers. So that would always, I'd always go back to look at the people, look at the people we've got, we're working with and trying people that we're trying to attract. And that's 
what I would say to anybody thinking about doing it. It's still a, I love the profession. I love all, every day you go in, there's going to be a new set of challenges, whether that's um, creating a nice atmosphere for somebody that's a little bit concerned or not always changing a smile because not every patient's going to come in wanting that, but changing the perception, giving them a nice experience, letting all those involved in it have a bit of a pat on the back. They know they, they, that all the little actions that they sort of carry out make an end result difference. I think it's a great profession to be in. What, you know, why would you not want to do that? It's, it's so many skill sets you can show off and, and, uh, and develop, um, but it is all about the people. And if you aren't that way thought-wise, I think it might be more difficult because consumers are very aware of what they can and can't do nowadays. It's very, very easy to change your shopping choices, whether it be dentistry or handbags or shoes or where you eat. So if you haven't got the right people in there, you're stuck. Yeah, I think that's great what you said there. I think I think the nugget I've taken from that is that actually you've got to get both you've got to get the people providing the service in line with actually the customers that are going to have that service mm. and actually making sure that everybody understands the service that they need to be delivering confirm that they are doing it right, give them a lot of confidence that it's working. And also then you've got combined then that the patients receive this service and in turn have a great experience with you, which allows private dentistry to be fulfilling and successful. Yeah, I totally, exactly. Yeah, that's wonderful, Emma, it really is. I, I've got some, my next question, which I, I just have to ask you, and I'm sure, many people are probably wondering the same when you relocated to devon you had three children you have four children so you had a you had another whilst embarking on this whole journey of buying a practice and learning how to run run it as a as a business you have said that you had no work-life balance at all and i'm interested to know what your advice is for people because now you're in a position where you do have a work-life balance you had six weeks off this summer for example so how did you get into having no work-life balance how did you get out of it and what's your advice for our listeners okay first of all it's really easy to get back with no balance it's the first thing i would again admit to very 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 easy it's very easy to be discussing the latest legionella policy over dinner or uh <laughs> how we're going to you know, it, it is, it's very, very easy to be sucked back into those situations, particularly for us, I suppose, husband and wife. But it's a bit like talking gentle through the lunch break with the team. They, they need to not always be doing that. So firstly, it goes wrong sometimes. But how do I do it? I suppose I have children, although several of them are no longer here and have moved on into their own uh, grown up life. But I've got children who understand that there's a commitment that I have to make to the business. And when I go... I need them to work as a team at home because they're as important as the practice team in those situations and have sort of people at home collecting from school and juggling for me uh, when I was working sort of five days a week. Um, and I've, again, I've got people in the practice who do it probably better than I can do it. And I know that. And, and I know if they don't do it as well as I do it, they'll have tried to do it as well as I'll do it. And that allows me to have the balance. So whether it's clinicians, therapists, hygienists, dentists, or, or the, the nursing team or the front desk team, it, it's all having or feeling that I can rely upon them um, and they have a mutual 
feeling that they can rely upon me should it be needed allows me to have that balance i'm very clear in what information i need so i can be based at home working or i could be based anywhere in fact working in the information is delivered to me on a daily weekly monthly kpi basis um, so i can glance at things now and they're set up in a way that i get a good idea of what the practice is doing good or bad um, because all the right information is available for me um, and that's because i've got the right people delivering it to me so i'd say it's all it's all the teams around you, but the family team, the family unit, um, and and the working team really. But it, you know, it it sounds fabulous. I know Emma definitely had six weeks off this summer. I know for a fact, you know, things are a, a great for you now. What advice would you have for somebody, whether it's a husband and wife team, a dentist, dentist manager relationship like yours? That what what's the turning point? in your work-life balance, Emma? You know, you have said, you know, many, many years ago, you didn't have any work-life balance. What was the turning point for you? What do people need to look out for? What's happening where actually they need to make a serious change to get their work-life balance in order? I think that there does come a point where you start to think, actually, I'm, in fact, I can, <laughs> I'm thinking as I'm speaking. I can remember uh, probably about six years ago, going into practice and thinking, I'm a bit bored. And I think for me, then I really sort of managed to, to think about this a little bit. And it's a bit like for my husband, probably 10 years ago, a bit bored, off he went and did implants. And since then, it's sort of almost taken a new spring to his bow and absolutely loves doing them alongside general dentistry. And I think I mentioned, I just thought, I know all this stuff. I've got it. It's all in front of me. I know what I'm doing. I know what I'm expecting to get. I know what's going to happen to it. And I was probably a bit bored. So I thought, well, if I'm a bit bored, it's all here. Maybe I could start to do a bit less. And I think that's probably, um, as I, again, my husband might argue because he is in the practice far more than me now. Um, so he might say his work-life balance isn't quite as good, but he was with me for a few of those weeks in the summer. So it's not all bad. But I think you suddenly realise that the, the financial side of it is enough. And I think as you get a little bit older as well, you realise that enough is enough sometimes financially. I think we always, when you're young, there's lots of, Things you think you need and as you get a bit old you realize that actually they're not perhaps as important so financial stability in the practice is important for the team and the well-being of the business but personally not as important you can step back a bit you can be more effective doing a few less hours as you and, and michael both know it's yeah. just a matter of managing your time a little bit better that frees up additional time for me i suppose mm -hmm. in fact i had somebody else managing me quite well at work allowed me to take a back step now I'm doing three days in the practice um, and the other two days are incredibly well managed. At the end of today, I'll get a report back to me telling me what's happened in the 48 hours and if there's anything I need to prepare for, for Monday. Um, it will probably have absolutely nothing on it whatsoever, my report, but it is coming and it will be with me. So it just, I think there's a realisation that all the things you've tried to do are in place. And for me, it was very much thinking, actually, there's not an awful lot else I can do. There's nothing I can reinvent today. It's nothing needed. Okay, I can take a bit more of a back step. All the work, people are doing what they should, the patients are doing what they should, the financials are doing what they should. Um, and that was probably that, that point for me. Perfect. I've, we've, we've come to a point where we need to ask you a couple of top tip questions, Emma. So um, I suppose clip precise answers to these if you can. Um, okay. One of the things that I think is really interesting is obviously the legislation continues to change. There's a lot about compliance in dental practice life. 
can you give some tips about how you deal with compliance to make it positive? Because it isn't always positive, is it? Sometimes it's a real no. sort of pain in the backside. Absolutely. Um, well, again, it's one of the things you just got to do. Uh, and again, it's an acceptance for you and the team. And in your leadership position, you're going to say, I know it's not going to be the easiest thing. We've got to rewrite the, 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 the rule book again, but we have to do it because we can't do what we do without being compliant. So it's it's a, almost a crack on. Let's just get on with it. Let's see who, who's got the best idea, who's going to do this in the most efficient way. Hand it over to that team member and, and get on with it. Um, there's loads of great people that can help with compliance out there. It's, you know, there's lots of dental companies that can support you, but just don't turn it into the big headache that it can be. It's the, the sooner you start, the sooner you can finish. I love yes. it, Emma. I really do. <laughs> You're so positive. You really are. I think that's what everyone has to appreciate about Emma is you are so positive you know you were not facing the CQC with any negativity whatsoever you were like well let's just get on with it and do it and you know isn't that that's just the way to be isn't it why get stressed out why get worked up why turn your team into you know a bunch of depressed people well um, if, if you're in, I just think if you're in a mess with it which can happen there's some brilliant people out there can get you out of it as I said so it's not you're on your own all you need to do is pick up a phone and tell somebody what tale of woe and they'll probably say okay sit sit still we'll come in we'll help you so i don't see it, it's not it's not a big drama or unless you make unless it you one there's so much yeah. support yeah and that's almost a top tip in itself isn't it actually the outreach is not a negative thing it doesn't make no. you a weak person to go can you help me with hr can you help me with my new patient experience can you help me with the cqc whatever it may be that you need help with i think sometimes perhaps they see that weakness and it isn't it's actually a strength isn't it totally we've got loads that there is so much support network out there that's available which is great for us as a profession isn't it now you're not sort of hunting through a, a book trying to find the answer a click of a button and there's usually somebody that will help you or know who to help you yeah. I just had an idea. We should create a book, patient experience for dummies book. <laughs> <laughs> I've trawled three well, minutes dummies book trying there. to find the answer. Yeah. Oh, dear. <laughs> Emma, so if you knowing what you know now about buying a practice, and obviously the advice you were given, the situation you've been through, what would your advice be now to people that are looking to buy a practice? What's your what's your top tips there? Uh, well, if I was doing it again, I'd obviously um, I'd look to people that I've either bought a practice or for experts in the profession who have assisted people in buying practices. I'd probably go out and have a look at some of the practices and I would personally now go in and not look at what the decor looks like or what quality the chairs are or what colour things are. I'd want to go and find things like KPIs and look at all the stuff that nobody made me aware even existed, patient numbers, FTAs, gaps in the diary, hourly rates, etc. All that quite tedious stuff that is actually vital if you are hoping to buy something that might be successful. Wow, fantastic. And in regards to leadership, you've mentioned leadership and you've, you have said about asking for help and that you're not always going to get it right. What's your what's your final tip? I know leadership is a massive subject, but what's your final tip really in regards to delivering leadership and developing your team? Um, I think I think ultimately in any team, big big or small, whether it is something as huge as the RAF or a tiny tiny practice with 
you know, one nurse, one dentist and, and an administrator, you've still got to have some inspirational leadership. You've got to lead from the front. And as I said earlier, it's, it's easy to lose your path or, or, or you lose your way a little bit um, because situations will be thrown at you that you're not expecting. But you, you mustn't forget that need for the rest of the team to have that leadership. And I think that would be my tip is even if you lose your way, put your hand up, say you have, but then take control again from the front. That's what everybody needs. I think that's perfect, Emma. And I just want to say that I remember meeting you and I'm so pleased that you've been part of this podcast today because you've inspired me in my career. And it's just nice to meet like-minded people that think similarly, have got the same optimism and the same leadership style because it makes you feel that you're not on your own and you're not the only one that thinks that way. And I think if anybody wants to have a look about how you are inspiring, I think your website says it all really. And if people go to absolute-dental.co.uk, they can just look at your picture gallery, which I think is really inspiring straight away, but it just really shows the formulation of, of what you've said today. And I think people would find what you have said very inspiring indeed. Thank you. Uh, Absolutely, Emma. I cannot thank you enough for coming on to the podcast and sharing all your tips with us. I'm sorry if I made you blush at the beginning, but you are <laughs> such inspiration to so many in dentistry. And and even if you know people are listening today, whether they're you know from another country, whether they're new to dentistry, I know for a fact everyone will be inspired by your top tips because your story is fantastic. Your tips are wonderful. Thank you so very much for joining us today. And thank you as well, Michael. And uh, thank you very much to our listeners for joining our guest Halton Hangout podcast. Um, please check out the website for the details of the next one, which will be coming to you soon. Thank you very much, everybody. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this podcast. Please subscribe so you can be notified of our next episode.